0: In our culture, we're familiar with great endings and stories. In a good story, you're dropped into a new world. The music begins, the bad guy has been defeated, and you watch as all the tensions get tied up neatly. The guy and the girl finally confess their love. There's that final line that leaves us with a feeling of satisfaction. Louis, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. If you've ever read the book of Acts, it seems to have the opposite effect. Paul arrives in Rome. He's under house arrest, waiting for his trial before Caesar. What's going to happen to Paul? What's going to happen to the church communities that he started? And Luke writes this. So the last sentences of the book of Acts
1: are, For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house. He welcomed everyone who came to see him. And he proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord, Jesus Messiah, with all boldness and without hindrance.
0: And then that's how the book ends. I'm John Collins. This is the Bible Project Podcast. And today we look at the ending of the book of Acts. And we ask, why does Luke end the book so abruptly? Luke wants his
1: readers to find... Their own story foreshadowed in Jesus and Paul's story. And so you find yourself now invited to continue and perpetuate the story that started here.
0: Thanks for joining us. Here we go. All right. Homestretch of Acts. It's been a lot of conversation on the book of Acts.
1: Yeah. So many good things to talk about.
0: And we are now... Hmm. In the part of Acts where Paul is going to yeah. go to Rome. That's right. He's been kind of passed along from <clears throat> ruler to ruler. Yeah. Paul's your problem now. Paul's your problem now. Yeah, that's right. Paul's your problem Nobody now. Nobody
1: wants to take responsibility for him. They can't figure out even what charges to post against him.
0: And he got there because mm. the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem, or well, actually just the, the people, were are just gonna we're gonna kill him. Uh huh. And so they're like, we got to break up this fight. Mm-hmm. And now they're like, well, what do we do with them? Yeah. They want to kill him. Yeah. We can't find anything wrong with them. Yeah. And then Paul puts his foot in his mouth. <laughs> He's like, all right, bring me to Caesar. Take me to Rome. And then they're like, okay, I guess we have to take him to Rome now. Yeah. 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 Should That's... he have just not said that?
1: Well, it's interesting. Actually, there's one, I didn't include this in our conversation. In chapter 23, Paul has a, a dream where Jesus appears to him and mm. says, listen, I'm with you. Mm. You're going to be safe, and you're going to bear witness about me in Rome. Mm. Just hang tight. And then Paul stays in the system for another like two or three years Yeah, <laughs> waiting to go to Rome. It
0: would be such a frustrating time after mm. such a just fully lived life, <laughs> at yeah, least for right? those past few years <laughs> yeah, of totally. just all the travel and all the people and all mm-hmm. just this perpetual road trip, and mm-hmm. and then being almost killed mm-hmm. all these times mm-hmm. and starting all these communities, changing people's lives and mm. just seeing all this stuff happen, And then having to just sit around for years yep. in prison yeah. because yeah. of the like yeah. laziness and injustice of yeah. a few rulers. Yeah, totally. That'd just be frustrating. I
1: bet that was a huge thing Paul had to pray and work through. It is during these years of imprisonment that he uh, mm. Worked out and then with a scribe wrote <laughs> mm. a lot of the letters, Ephesians, mm. yeah, Philippians, Colossians, Philemon.
0: Oh, yeah, well, there you go.
1: And these have been some of the greatest gifts mm. that he's passed on to the church or oh. his writings. And mm. so, pr- so
0: because... when he talks about being in prison in those letters, he's talking about this season of pr- imprisonment. Oh, man,
1: yes, there was w- likely one other season of imprisonment. Uh-huh. Many scholars think it was in Ephesus. Uh. That really took him to the bottom. Okay. That he mentions that in 2 Corinthians. It doesn't seem to be tied to this season, okay. but the chronology is kind of complicated. Okay. But most likely, yeah, it's this Caesarea imprisonment that's uh, connected to many of the prison letters. Mm. Yeah. Cool. So th- that was something really significant that came out of yeah. this, but yeah, it must have drove him mad. Yeah. So, yeah, so here we go. Paul's in the legal system, it's messed up. One thing that that Luke is up to, the way that he's designed the stories about Paul from his missionary journeys, but especially up to his arrest, his going to Jerusalem, what happens to him there, all of the trials, everything leading to Rome. Mm -hmm. This is really cool. He has, it's like Old Testament narrative design patterns. Mm. He has designed the narratives of Paul going to Jerusalem, Mm. and then facing Roman officials, Mm. and then going to Rome, all of it has been mapped onto and hyperlinked Mm. to key moments in Jesus's story in Luke. Mm. Remember, it's a two-volume work of Jesus's missionary journeys, Mm -hmm. and then his decision to go to Jerusalem, and then what happens to him in Jerusalem. People have noticed these correspondences and parallels for a long, long time. Um, It was a scholar in the twentieth century named Charles Talbert, who like brought it all together and made like the case, like this is we're not making this up. Yeah. Once you see it all together, I've tried to bring it together in a chart here, it's just overwhelmingly Mm -hmm. clear what Luke is doing. So his book is called Literary Patterns and Theological Themes in Luke Acts. Bestseller, I'm sure. (laughs)
0: Literary patterns. Yeah. You like to talk (laughs) about that. Yeah.
1: So we'll just kind of work through a few of these and just kind of kinda point them out. Okay. So in Luke chapter 10, Jesus sends out the 70 Mm -hmm. as a preview of the Gentile mission to the church. So remember, he sends out the 12 to announce the kingdom of God. That's in um, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Mm -hmm. But then in Luke, preserves a memory of Jesus also sending out a group of 70, Hmm. which sending out 12. That makes sense for the. tribes of Israel. Mm -hmm. But the 70, and then sending them also into non-Jewish territories up in Galilee. Seventy is the number of nations in the table of nations in Mm. Genesis chapter 10.
0: Jesus did. Symbol nerds. (laughs) And so... That's how many nations are listed in Genesis chapter 10. Seventy nations.
1: It's the map of all the sons of Noah. Yeah. Yeah, correct. So that opens up the travel section of Luke in Luke's portrayal of Jesus, there's the Galilee section, mm-hmm. and then there's the long travel narrative. Right,
0: to Jerusalem. Jerusalem, yeah.
1: And so, exactly mapping onto that, the middle part of Acts is Paul's journey narrative, the missionary journeys
0: mm-hmm. out
1: there. Then, on the like, turn of the dime, Jesus, in Luke chapter 9, it says that Jesus fixed his face to go to Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Or when he is transformed on the mountain with Moses and Elijah... They're talking about his exodus that he's going to fulfill in Jerusalem. Hmm. So, within the span of a couple of scenes, Jesus is now on a mission to go yeah. to Jerusalem. Just like we saw with Paul, right? He's out there planting churches and then he just gets a bee in his bonnet. God's telling me to go to Jerusalem. Boom, mm-hmm. he's on it. Everybody around Jesus doesn't understand why he has to go to Jerusalem. Hmm. Multiple conversations. He's like, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, and they're going to kill me there. And then Luke will say, but no one understood what he meant by this. They didn't know why he had to go to Jerusalem.
0: This happens multiple times. Now, Jesus didn't have as many enemies in Jerusalem as Paul would have had, right?
1: Oh, yeah, totally. He's building, as he's going about, he's having all of his run-ins with yeah Sadducees, Pharisees, okay. and... So he's got
0: his reputations proceeding. So it's
1: precisely parallel. Just Paul and Jesus on their journeys Mm. are building up a bad reputation in Jerusalem. Mm. And then they make a decision both to go there. Mm. Uh, In the same way, Paul's friends don't understand why he has to go to Jerusalem. They're Mm. trying to persuade him not to go. This is interesting. In the journey narrative, from the moment Jesus sets his face to go to Jerusalem to arriving in Jerusalem, there are seven references to Jesus going to Jerusalem so it'll be like and Mm. Jesus while Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem Mm. a blind man approached him or so seven times yeah as mentioned in between Mm. in the journey narrative after Paul first decides to go to Jerusalem and upon his arrival in Jerusalem seven times Mm. that the journey to Jerusalem is mentioned both Jesus and Paul when they first arrive in the city gain a positive reception so for Jesus, it's, the, it's Palm yeah. Sunday. Mm-hmm. Remember? yeah, They're giving glory to God. Actually, this is a, a verbal link here uh, where the crowds are saying, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven, glory in the heights. When Paul arrives in Jerusalem, the apostles receive us gladly, Luke says. The following day, Paul went up to James. The elders were there. He related one by one all the things that God had done among the Gentiles, and when they heard it, they gave glory to God. Mm -hmm. So Jesus comes into Jerusalem to the glory of God. Mm -hmm. Paul comes to Jerusalem to the glory of God. Mm -hmm. Where do both of them go? Immediately upon arriving, they both go to the temple. Mm. Literally just the same phrase, entered into the temple. Mm. Both of them end up getting arrested and seized by a crowd. So for Jesus, it is in Gethsemane, Mm -hmm. while Jesus was speaking in the garden. Behold, a crowd came. And one called Judas, and they seized him. Same with Paul. Wait, that was in Gethsemane? In the Garden of Gethsemane. There was a crowd. They called it a crowd. Well, that's what Luke calls it. Yeah. He calls it a crowd. Yeah. Yeah. Stormed the garden, and then seized him, and took him to the high priest. When Paul is in the temple precincts, a crowd is stirred up, and they laid hold of him, and dragged him outside the temple. Jesus undergoes four stages to his trial, Mm. four leaders. Mm -hmm. He's brought before the Sanhedrin, Pilate first time, Herod, then Pilate a second time. Only Luke has four. Herod, the moment before Herod, isn't mentioned in Mark or Luke or John. Uh, Paul also undergoes four separate trials before the Sanhedrin, just like Jesus, before Felix, who's the governor, just like Pilate's the governor in mm. Jerusalem. Mm. Felix is the governor. Then before Festus, and then also a Herod, a Herod Agrippa. Mm. So he's lined up even the representatives yeah, just precisely. While they're in Jerusalem, Jesus enters into a debate with Sadducees, and Luke makes a little note. Now, Sadducees don't believe in the resurrection. Yeah. Paul, when he's on trial before the Sanhedrin, he recognizes, ooh, there's Pharisees and Sadducees in the room. Mm-hmm. The Sadducees don't believe in the resurrection. So what Paul says is, I'm on trial for believing in the resurrection. (laughs) (laughs) And then the Sadducees are like, there is no resurrection. And the Pharisees are like, what? And then a commotion starts and the trial uh, gets canceled. Smart move. It's totally Paul's work in the room. Both Jesus and Paul stand before someone named Herod. (laughs) Pilate says to the crowd, Jesus should be released. King Agrippa says... Paul should be released, Mm. but he appealed to Caesar. The crowd shout about Jesus, take him away. The crowd shout about Paul in the temple precincts, take him away.
0: Yeah, same phrase.
1: Same phrase. In both cases, a Roman centurion Mm. uh, acknowledges Jesus' identity. Surely he's a righteous man.
0: Yeah, who's that in Paul's case?
1: In Paul's case, um, it's uh, the Roman centurion who uh, takes him on the ship. Mm. For the storm, through the storm Mm. and so on. And it says that he treated Paul with kindness and he wanted to deliver Paul safely. It's that in both narratives, a Roman centurion is given this positive portrait, Mm. which is Mm -hmm. surprising. And then this one takes the cake. At Jesus' Passover meal, quote, He took the bread and giving thanks, he broke it. When Paul is on the shipwreck, he's thrown the cargo overboard. (laughs) You know, the ships adrift in the storm. And then Luke creates this little still moment where Paul performs a last supper mm-hmm. on, on the boat. Mm-hmm. He prays for everybody's safety. And it says, Paul took the bread and giving thanks, he broke it. Mm-hmm. So, there yeah, you go. Those are 16. Hmm. Those are just the most prominent ones. Hmm. So, like, what's going on here? Yeah. So, you know, I have some quotes and different observations of what the people have made. But I'm just curious. I've been looking at this for a long time. Hmm. You're looking at this for the first time. Hmm. Like, what?
0: Well, I mean, and you've been showing how this is a typical thing in, Hebrews, in Hebrew literature. Yeah. All these callbacks. Yeah.
1: Luke, it Acts is.
0: It's Hebrew literature. It's,
1: It's Jewish literature written in Greek Yeah, (laughs) by somebody who's a master of the Hebrew Bible.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The Greek Bible. So I guess that's my first thought is just, well, that seems par for the course Mm. that he would be doing that. But yeah, it's interesting that to me, I would tell Luke like, well, take it easy. Paul isn't Jesus. You know? (laughs) Like,
1: Oh, yeah. You might
0: be a little bit bothered. Yeah. Don't push this so far. I mean, I, I see what you're doing and that's really clever, but... Jesus mm. Mm. was the son of man mm. who can unite heaven and earth. Paul, you're just, you're, you're rad. Yeah. <laughs> you're working by his spirit to go and, and proclaim his kingdom. Yeah. So I, I would, I'd almost like try to tell Luke, like, you know, calm down a little bit on this parallelism between Jesus and Paul. <laughs> makes me feel a little uncomfortable
1: yeah yeah i got it um yeah that's really interesting yeah the apostles um especially luke but also paul yeah they they aren't as bothered by that yeah if anything they want to heighten the connection and the similar
0: obviously (laughs) yeah and it's always bothered me that paul's Hmm. thought of his suffering that way you know that that yeah i'm looking
1: at this line it's in colossians 1 where he says I rejoice in my sufferings that I share on behalf of Christ's body, the yeah. Messiah's body. I am filling up what remains of the Messiah's sufferings yeah. in my body. Yeah. So he sees, literally, if my life is the Messiah's life, right? I no longer live. It's the Messiah, the new human living in and through me. Then, and my body isn't my own. Yeah. It belongs to the Messiah. Then... The hardships that I undergo for the, the Messiah and the new humanity are his sufferings.
0: He could say that. I would be comfortable with him saying that. When yeah. I suffer, yeah. it's Messiah It's suffering the same it. type of suffering. Well, he didn't uh, say same type. Well, he says I know. It's... I'm, I know. I'm a, okay. I, I, don't, I don't like what he said. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> t- <laughs> You're telling me <laughs> you what you wish he said. Yeah, like, like... <laughs> and what you kind of said was like, Mm. He could even say I'm sharing in the suffering yeah. of Jesus I'm, and I'm participating in, in, yeah. the, in its suffering. And I yeah, think he uses yeah. a phrase like that, but what he says, I don't have it in front of me. Yeah. He's, yeah. What does he say? He says like, I'm, I, I'm, there's something, it's I'm like
1: filling up what is lacking in the Messiah's suffering yeah. in my body.
0: Yeah. That's always mm. was a weird verse because, mm-hmm. because if, if the point of Jesus suffering was um, to um, create a way forward, mm then is what he did, it wasn't complete in some way. Yes. And, and that Paul feels like he needs to, to complete that. Yeah. But I have a feeling that maybe that's not exactly what he means, but when, when he says, I got, sorry, read it again. What, where are we at, Colossians?
1: Colossians 1.
0: I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regards to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. So there was something lacking. Yeah.
1: Maybe it's that phrase, lacking. Yeah,
0: maybe that's just the phrase, lacking. Oh. Well, yeah,
1: and maybe it's because there's that theme in Hebrews about the the Messiah's death and then resurrection was complete and perfect. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing lacking.
0: Wait, well, huh, yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: So, and that's true in terms of, That as our substitute and forerunner, he goes into death and out the other side on our behalf. It's done. Yeah. It's a done deal. He didn't
0: halfway come back alive. Yeah,
1: that's right. It's a done deal. Yeah. What Paul's focusing on, though, is my participation in the kingdom ruling as the new humanity over the world. Remember, this is the theme in Luke. The risen king is the suffering crucified one. Mm Mm-hmm. And so to rule the way Jesus rules will mean self-denial and hardship. Mm -hmm. And if I'm so closely joined to Jesus that my life is his Mm. life, then my sufferings are his sufferings Mm. in a really, I don't know, in an existential way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Paul doesn't even flinch. He's just like, yeah, I'm in prison. That's Jesus' suffering. I'm continuing the suffering. Jesus didn't of Jesus. stick
0: around to suffer for yeah. you guys in prison. I'm doing it. I'm doing it for you. On behalf and, of Jesus. And for him.
1: Yeah. Totally. And so it seems to me Luke is making the same point through narrative. Mm.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. That by Paul suffering and him coming back to Jerusalem, being sent to Rome, mm-hmm. that is also Jesus yes. suffering. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Actually, here, yeah, this is good. I have a couple quotes here of people who have reflected on these parallels patterns. Um, One is a scholar named Michael Golder. Here's how he frames it. He says, Luke is writing a typological history and he's using the word typological, typology, in a technical sense of tupos is the Greek word for pattern. Mm. So a patterned history. Mm -hmm. The life of Jesus provides the template for the life of the church. This is the Pauline doctrine of the body of Christ finding here a literary expression in the patterns and cycles of Luke's narrative. Christ is alive. He's continuing his own life through his body, that is, mm. through the church. Mm-hmm. So his point is, yeah, you get mm. it. In in Acts, Luke's bringing mm. to literary expression through the patterns the same idea that Paul was making, mm. that it is Jesus continuing his life
0: through his followers. This is Jesus' continued legacy. Correct. Through, embodied now through yeah, others.
1: Yeah. Through misunderstood <laughs> cultural influencers who aren't doing anything to break the law. Right? Everything we've talked about in the mm. series. Mm-hmm. Paul is doing the same thing. And so is mm. Peter and, and so on. But especially Paul. For some, Paul really embodies what's going on here for mm. Luke in an important way. Mm-hmm. Putting it that way, does that make you nervous? Uh, no. No. Huh? Yeah. I like it. Or it doesn't it doesn't um activate the same. It's a it's it's kind
0: of either. yeah, I think the hesitation is are you trying to equate Paul with Jesus? And versus what I hear Golder here saying is that Jesus is working through Paul, in which mm-hmm. case Paul's activity here is Jesus's activity. Yes. And, and so therefore re- it will mirror. Yeah, and so to yeah. really show that. Yeah. To make that plain as day. Yeah actually making it mirror yes. jesus's yeah activity yeah. in that typological way yeah really brings home that point yeah yeah that's cool
1: yeah let's see yeah a couple, just a couple other just bible nerds who talk about this one is charles talbert who compiled this detailed list it's the most exhaustive kind of collection mm. that anyone's ever made um he says this about it he says, in Luke, Acts, we find an architectural pattern of correspondences between the career of Jesus and the life of the apostles. In this way, Luke portrays the deeds and the teachings of Jesus as the pattern for the acts and instruction of the apostolic church in the book of Acts. It's near impossible to avoid the conclusion that these correspondences between Jesus and his followers serve this purpose. Jesus is the master. He's the source of the Christian way of life, which is imitated by his disciples. Mm. He's he's actually kind of dialed it down from Golder's observation. Mm. For him it's just Jesus is like the teacher mm. and then the apostles are the imitators. Mm. Golder wants to make it even a little more bold to say it's literally Jesus' own life yeah. being played out. Yeah. And so it will look the same. Right. It's interesting. Yeah does and they're they're both probably right it's just a matter of emphasis mm-hmm. So here's something interesting about the book of Acts, how it concludes. Okay. So the book of Acts, you know, Paul's and all these mistrials, the famous shipwreck story. Okay. And you got
0: Jonah. We got some good shipwreck stories. Yeah, totally. Yeah. There's
1: just a handful, actually, one other main shipwreck story, Jonah. But then you also have lots of, all of the symbolism connected to dangerous waters, Mm -hmm. right? Passing through the dangerous waters. Mm. But that's all under the surface for luke hmm. but surely he you know he's aware mm-hmm. of that and so paul you know is safely brought through this is cool he's safely brought through the shipwreck the ship breaks apart right as they get close to a little island called malta right so they float on all the pieces of the ship to the island and there's some people the islanders there mm-hmm. and there's a tribe The chief's name is publius Pretty sure that's how you say it, Publius. They're preparing a fire on the beach, mm-hmm. and then Luke includes this random story of Paul getting bitten by a snake, mm-hmm. and then he shakes it off. And then they're like, you yes, must, and it you says must everybody pick up. was waiting for him to puff up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, they're like, we know what happens when you get yeah, bitten by a snake,
1: and nothing happens. And then they, you know, they think he's a deity or yeah. something like that. But just to stop, so just okay. um, so Paul just passed through the chaos waters Mm -hmm. and then he gets struck Mm. by a snake snake. you have genesis exodus stuff it's just all firing here and paul's not touched by any of it Mm. he just right the snake bites him yeah and he just shakes it off
0: yeah the (laughs) boat goes under and he just floats to land yeah yeah you're just like wow this guy (laughs) he's living on another another (laughs) level
1: yeah yeah, it's interesting. So he ends up in Rome. In Rome, he ends up in this sponsored house arrest situation. And he's under, like, he has a Roman soldier guarding him. But he's able to host friends. He starts inviting all these Jewish leaders, Bible studies. And the fra- a phrase occurs describing what Paul's announcing. It occurs two times, and we've hardly heard it throughout the book. Mm. It's the phrase, kingdom of God. Yeah. So the last sentences of the book of Acts are for two whole years Paul stayed there in his own rented house. He welcomed everyone who came to see him, and he proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord, Jesus Messiah, with all boldness and without hindrance. And then that's how the book ends. (laughs) (laughs) And notice he begins that paragraph with, for two whole years. Mm -hmm. Here's what Paul did. Kingdom of God. Nobody stopped him. Yeah. And you're like, well... That, that. So what happened after the two years? Why did you just mention two years? Mm. You know? Yeah. He's like he's begging the question mm-hmm. or baiting you.
0: And the whole the <laughs> whole thing about the trial hasn't been or like Yeah, it's totally unresolved. Unresolved. Yeah. So well, we spent like, a quarter of the book building up this trial. Did he forget to end the book? Man, welcome
1: to a like a cottage industry in <laughs> biblical scholarship. People theorizing about why it ended this way? Why the Book of Acts ended this way? For somebody as sophisticated as Luke to yeah. do this, mm-hmm. end the book this way, I can't. I can't but draw the conclusion that it's intentional. He's right. doing something to yeah. us. Right. It's not. He just, didn't just run out of time. Oh, he, he didn't just run out of time. He didn't just run out of source material. <laughs> like
0: he's like, yeah. And actually, I don't really know what happened to Paul after
1: that. T- t- Ill, he didn't know what happened to Paul. Like, <laughs> what do you mean he didn't know what happened to Paul?
0: Yeah. He's like, "Ah, oh, hit my word, count, I'm <laughs> <You're> done
1: <talking>? <laughs> <laughs>
0: end of the scroll,
1: I mean, this yeah, so think back the phrase kingdom of God" appears twice here in the kay. it appeared twice in the opening scene of Jesus mm. commissioning of mm-hmm. uh, you're going to be my witnesses, announcing the good news of the kingdom, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, yeah, so here we are now, mm. right on the other side of the Mediterranean Sea, and the kingdom of God has spread mm. from one end of the sea to the other all the obstacles overcome all the crazy unlikely things that have happened so here's uh, this is one of my favorite commentators on uh, the book of acts his name is ben witherington i think he's right <laughs> i can't claim to have exhaustively researched the topic but oh, yeah. i think he has you like what ben says I, lo- I like ben a lot and i like what he says he says the ending of the book of acts makes it clear that luke's purpose wasn't simply to chronicle the life and death of Paul, yeah, but rather the rise and spread of the gospel and the social and religious movement to which it gave birth. Let's register that point. If he was just writing a history of the early church, why contain a quarter of it mm. about the six trials of one yeah. missionary? Yeah, it's like what? So Luke has provided a theological history witherington says that traces the spread of the good news from jerusalem to rome Mm -hmm. from the eastern edge of the roman empire right into its very heart Mm. this is interesting i had never thought of this before rome wasn't viewed in luke's day as the edge of the known world oh yeah it's not the ends of the earth Oh yeah there's spain right (laughs) so the reader would center of the earth (laughs) (laughs) yeah totally yeah so the reader would know very well that Jesus' mission to spread the gospel to the ends of the earth was still ongoing in his own day. Hmm. However, for Luke, it was critical and symbolic that the message reached the heart and hub of the empire as a challenge to Caesar and as a gateway to the ends of the earth. All hmm. the highways lead to Rome. All the highways go out of Rome. Hmm. Witherington says, The open-endedness that a modern reader senses in the ending of Acts, it's intentional. Luke isn't chronicling the life and times of Paul or any other early Christian leader. That kind of story would have a definite conclusion. Yeah, Rather, probably with them dying. Yeah, that's right, totally, yeah. Rather, he's chronicling a phenomenon and a movement that was continuing and alive and well in his own day. For Luke, Paul's story is really about the unstoppable word of God, which no obstacle, no shipwreck, no snake bite, no Roman authorities could hinder from reaching the heart of the empire and the hearts of those who lived there. So his point is multiple points here. One is that Rome isn't the ends of the earth. So Luke actually never ties a bow on that. Mm. That was the last. The whole
0: structure of Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. Yeah. They got to to the center of the earth. Yeah, yeah, right. (laughs) The center of the empire. The center of the known world. Yeah. 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 His point
1: is, if you're reading this book, it's likely because you're part of the movement. And so you find yourself now invited to continue and perpetuate the story Mm. that started here. Mm -hmm. The ends of the earth. That mission's still going. What Mm. am I doing to to be part of that? Why Rome? His point is that Rome is a symbolic place to end, to conclude the story for right now. There's lots of debate. Some people think Paul was executed here. Mm. There are early traditions People debate their historicity. But there are early traditions of a whole other season of Paul's productivity, Hmm. of another missionary who's released, acquitted, Hmm. has a whole other season, imprisoned again, and then that accounts, that would be the imprisonment that is referred to in 2 Timothy. Hmm. 2 Timothy sounds like he knows he's going to die. It's Hmm. like his last will and testament Mm -hmm. kind of letter. Witherington's point is that for Luke, that wouldn't serve his purpose. His point is for the reader to feel like yeah what's next I'm a yeah like I'm a part of the living continuation of the story yeah I want to be like Jesus and I want to be like Peter and I want to be like Paul as I now go out and participate Hmm. that makes such sense yeah do you remember how the gospel of Mark ends in the short ending with? it's more like most likely the original ending it ends with the women running from the oh. tomb but not telling anybody
0: yeah and they don't tell anyone <laughs> and you're like okay
1: yeah and it's like marks of course aware he's living yeah, of in course, the days of the missionary Of course, movement. they told someone
0: <laughs> Yeah. yeah
1: so it's clearly intentional it's a way of including and challenging the reader yeah to consider your own response yeah and i think there's something similar here yeah where luke wants his readers to find their own story foreshadowed in Jesus and Paul's story hmm. and participate in the the spread of the good news. Hmm.
0: No, that's cool. I mean, that makes a really complete, nice, compelling arc of like, why did Paul care so much about the unity yeah. of the church? Why was that such a big deal to him? And it's a great time just to reflect, like, is that a big deal to me? Yeah. That seems to be like Paul's most... Hmm significant mm-hmm. thing, mm-hmm. what would we define as our most significant thing? And that was represented in the gift that mm. puts him in danger. And yes. But as he suffers, he sees himself as participating in Jesus' suffering, mm-hmm. being a, that he's part of that. Mm-hmm. And it's for the sake of this thing he cares so much about. Mm-hmm. And then the book leaves us kind of without a bow on it, so that we can then sit back and go, do I care that much? Ah,
1: yeah, sure.
0: And yeah. when I suffer... Do I suffer? Do is I there, suffer? Is, is there
1: anything, yeah, that I am striving to contribute to the am Jesus? Am I striving
0: to contribute?
1: To my community or or the Jesus movement that... Require that cost me anything? Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like I love the phrase you use: this cosmic significance Mm -hmm. to it. Mm -hmm. Suffering has this cosmic Mm -hmm. significance to it. Mm -hmm. Luke acts, and we'll be done. Nine videos. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Bible Project podcast. We have finished our conversation on the book of Acts but if you're still interested in learning more Tim Mackey has his own podcast it's called Exploring My Strange Bible it's an archive of a lot of his teachings and sermons and he has uh, some great content check it out if you've been enjoying this podcast please consider leaving a review and sharing it with others we love reading the reviews and they also really help other people find the show as well Today's episode was edited and produced by Dan Gummel. The music by the band Tense. Hi, this is Kate Ferrario. I'm from Westland, Oregon. My favorite thing
1: about The Bible Project is the Read Scripture coffee table book. It's awesome, and my kids are going to love it. We believe the Bible is a unified story that leads to Jesus. We're a crowdfunded project by people like me. Find free videos, study notes, podcasts, and more at thebibleproject.com.